Pickaxe. Hello, and welcome back to the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast where we talk about Doctor Who podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Want to go again, or are we staying with that? Uh, Hey, it's the last one. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. Say what I like. Let's go Um, crazy. Yeah, uh, I am 31. Yeah. I'm not really. We're filming this in the past. I could get hit by a bus. Before my birthday, yeah, and then and then and yet there would still be episodes that come out afterwards where yeah. you're thirty. Yeah, how fucking weird is that? Mm. Um, anyway, yeah. off, off, off on that note, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to talk about your favourite Doctor Who, considering it is birthday season. Yes, and as we are wont to do on the podcast, we talk about our favourite episodes of Doctor Who when it comes round to our special days. Yeah, uh, and so for you, it is Pyramids of Mars. Last Tis. year, for moi, we did. Caves of Androzani, fucking hell. <laughs> that, well, that part of shit. Uh, we, we did The Curse of Peladon. Yeah. Um, I've got to think of what else we can do because the only other two favourite stories of mine are the two of the big hitters that we kind of want to maybe space out a little bit. I don't know if we want to do Earthshock and Genesis of the Daleks in the same year. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm. I'll have to make up another Wait, Doctor Who story. What do you mean the same year? You only have one birthday, yeah? I know, but you never know. We might run out of things to talk about. No, I see. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that when we come round to reviewing the Space Museum, we'll necessarily want to make that Ugh. the main focus of that story. Uh, you know what I mean? No, I think what will be the main focus of that episode is me going into therapy afterwards. Probably, yeah. You yeah. rocking gently in a corner. Mm. Um, two things to talk about, which are pretty much old news by the point this episode comes out because yeah. we're recording this a fortnight in advance this particular one right uh, but as of today that is the 9th of march 2023 um a new series of doctor who redacted has been oh released, yeah uh written by uh juno dawson juno dawson uh and produced by james goss uh interesting is, james goss is doing it now mm, wow very interesting um i mean yeah why the fuck not? Yeah. It's not like I've listened to the first series anyway. <laughs> so, you know, this will make a nice uh, bit of listening. Yeah. Um, I will listen to it on the flight over to New Zealand in the same way I was supposed to listen to it on the flight back from New Zealand last year when yeah. it first came out. Uh, so that means you won't listen to it at all? Nah. <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed the beginning of the first series. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it sort of went off. It ended up just turning into a bit too... It went to Doctor Who. I think that was the problem. Yeah. Um, I liked it when it was sort of like, oh, all this weird stuff happens mm. in, in our world, which is related to this time-travelling But person. it's not... It doesn't become an But it doesn't become an episode of Doctor Who. And it okay. did sort of become an episode of Doctor Who. Mm. And then Doctor Who turned up I suppose. End. I suppose it kind of does need to do that. But did it do that in the last episode? Or did it just sort of do I, that? I mean, to be honest, it just sort of... It just dragged on a little yeah. bit. And to be honest, I mean, I didn't really think much of the human characters either, Yeah, really. Okay. I mean, they were fine, but, you know. Well, let's see what happens with this new series of Doctor Who. Might not be the same people. It might be, might, might be new characters. I mean, I know. would guess it's probably not. No. You know, the, the MO of RTD is to fix what has just happened. Yeah. That is not the opinion of these podcasters. That is solid fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> apparently uh, and so I would imagine you maybe want to not do that yeah maybe you'll have some references to the characters yeah beloved as they are to some uh, they probably will never come back again or never, <laughs> will never get mentioned Doctor Who again the other thing to talk about it'll be announced now that uh, they're going to be in the new series 
Uh, Christopher Eccleston <laughs> is coming back to record 12 more stories yeah. as the Ninth Doctor. I didn't realise that was supposed to be a series, that first full run of, what was it, like four or five box sets? Yeah. That's supposed to be his first, like, 12 episode series. Right. Um, and there's going to be another 12. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to listen to Barry White, apparently. Did you read that? I read the... that. I, yeah. He likes that scene to Barry White in, mm-hmm. the, in the studio. Uh, anything to tr- distract myself from a, a Nicholas Briggs script, but there you go. Um, so, to be fair, I don't think he's written any since no, that first hasn't. box set. So Ravagers was not great. No. Um, what about the subsequent box sets? Have you listened I, to all the other Ninth Doctor ones? No, or? I've only listened to the rest of his first lot, yeah. and then the third set of his second lot, which was the, the one with the Sea Devils in. Okay. Yeah. So you haven't listened to the Brigadier and Cyberman one? I listened to that one. Oh, yeah. That was what great. Was that was, that that was right? really good. Yeah. yeah? That okay. was really good. Um, yeah. The Sea Devil one was. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Not as good as my uh, Peter Capaldi meets the Silurian story, which, you know, if you, if you were a patron. Yeah, you would you have were, found out all were, about that. Yeah. yeah. Unless the, that QA hasn't gone out yet, but. It would have. Nicely plugged. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good job. Oh, thank you. Um, right. Anyway. Enough oh, with this gay banter. Red, and Red, <laughs> Red, Red, Red Nose Day. Oh, Red Nose Day. Yes, David Tennant is going to be in a skit. It would have already happened. Yeah. I am imagining uh, that it's going to probably be like a minute and a half max, probably at the yeah. start of the show where he goes, right, I'm going to host Red Nose Day because it all seems to happen in one room. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, now I'm suddenly the doctor. Yeah. And then he just goes back to being David Tennant and then goes out on stage and Jim presents the rest of the night. I imagine that's probably all it's going to be. Man, he looks fucking old. Do you think? I thought... He did look, he did look older in some of those pictures. I thought... He doesn't... He, the stubble was a bit too much. Right. And somebody needed to put one... I worked on a... I was on a game show for four years and yeah. the host of that game show who used to regularly host um, a Good Morning programme on a major commercial broadcaster... Mm would have balls dragged across his face every morning to smooth out his bags mm. and wrinkles, uh, which which looked like a normal bloke. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes it would work better than other nights if he'd hit the sauce a bit too much the night before. Right. Uh, which, you know, not in like a private sense, but, you know, going out and enjoying uh, the company of the cast and crew. Mm. But... It's a lot of fluid here. Right. And I feel like David Tennant needs someone to drag their balls across his face just to smooth that stuff out because it just looks a bit too much. And it also looks like he's had I, a bit of a tan. I'm sure there are plenty of people in the audience who would gladly drag their balls over David Tennant's face. And that's not me putting my hand up. That's me replicating the actions of the audience. Right <laughs> um, and his, his hair looked a bit off. But I guess that's because somebody's... What, off his head? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of flying over in shit, loads of different directions. Um, but yes, it was, it, was, it was good. Yes, it was brilliant. Anyway. Um, I like the fact that the red noses are now... Paper. Paper. Yeah, Lovely good. Lovely touch. Yeah. I'm sure that the Daily Mail will have a field day talking about the Wokerati who decided Back in my day, they were plastic. They, they were... had faces on them. Or so they used to squeeze them and tongues came Ended out. up and... on fucking lungs. I remember that. Do you remember when they gave you uh, little uh, pouches of hair gel to style yeah. the hair yeah, of your... Yeah, they were good. What a fucking waste. And now we've <laughs> yeah. fucked the planet up so much by disposing of those red noses that we have to have shit paper red noses. <laughs> but them's the breaks. All those kiddies we've saved, 
all for nothing because all for nothing. the planet's fucked. So, yeah. so you know, everybody's going to be, you know, in a, in a similar sort of fucked up living situation. So, yeah. right, this is depressing. On my it's birthday be, of all days, <laughs> it's going to be like <coughs> Earth, the nineteen eighty. But Sutek leaves decimated. Oh, what a segue. We're going to talk about the pyramids of Mars. Nice. Uh, your favourite Doctor Who story of all time. It is my favourite Doctor Who story of all time. Uh, when did you first watch it? Oh, when I was a wee nipper. Yeah. I was a wee laddie. Yeah. Uh, UK Gold, VHS? I'm pretty sure it was a UK Gold. It was either UK Gold or a BBC Two repeat. Mm-hmm. Um but it was definitely taped off of the telly mm-hmm. before we got it on VHS proper. Um, yeah, I was teeny tiny. So it was one of my first Doctor Who stories. Mm. I just loved it. Mm. Everything about it. I think it's one of those stories that it's very easy to recreate things like in your back garden. Or True. when you're out and about. You know, for me, I loved all the stuff in episode one where Sarah Jane is hiding from the mummies and stuff. Mm. And whenever we would go to a park and, you know, it was a bit woodlandy, I'd be like, oh, I mean, it's it's part of that Doctor Who thing where the scariest things are the easiest to replicate. Yeah. And the idea, I guess, is to to do that. Yeah. So that you can, you know, engage your childhood audience. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah, on that, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll obviously talk more about the specifics of the story as we go into it. But I thought... Uh, Part one, with all that running around in the woods, if that was to happen in any other part through this story, mm. it would be targeted as padding, 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 padding. Yeah. And it maybe is, but the way it's used in part one is like, hey, there is something worth hunting these people down for. Yeah. And so it kind of adds to this feeling that there's something weighty going on. Mm. And also it adds to the general production value yeah. of the episode itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I will make no bones about the fact that I think this is one of the best Doctor Who stories ever. Yeah. Um, but as we probably talked about in the overrated Doctor Who yeah, episode... a few people said it was overrated, didn't they? Which we talked about <clears> last <throat> week, and I think we brought up there. Yeah. Part four. Part four is where it just, I think, it, it loses itself a little bit. By no means does it diminish the story as a whole, I don't think. I mm. mean, I know we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but... I mean, uh, when I watched it with Annie the other the other night, she sort of said, as much as she loves this story, she wishes the Egyptology element sort of stayed through it yeah. stronger. For example, I didn't realise that Sutek's tomb mm. is supposed to be in Egypt. Yeah. I thought it was on Mars. No. Yeah. Yeah, the Eye of Horus is That's on Mars. That's me being a dafty. Mm. But... There's nothing to indicate the Doctor has actually gone to Egypt besides the fact when he arrives in the corridor outside yeah. and he pulls the thing apart and you see. But it's like, but they've been talking about going to other planets for the whole yeah, this, time. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily get that this is supposed to be in a pyramid. Yeah. Uh, I've got a joke for you. Why are the pyramids in Egypt? Don't know. Because they were too heavy to bring over to Britain. It's a bit of a, a bit of a colonial kind of right, yeah. bit of commentary there. The fact yeah. that we've got yeah, yeah. all the other countries shit. Yeah, yeah. Right, and we should give it back. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So take that, uh, bloody Marcus Scarman. You yeah, fucking... you and you bloody racist. Yeah. Superstitious savage. savage. Yeah. Um, I was just about to say. I mean, that slightly ruined the point that I'm, I was going to make later on. Uh, 
Ahmed, who is that character that he refers to as a superstitious, superstitious savage, yeah. the daft racist, yes, um, is the only character with a speaking line in the story not to die. Yeah. Can you name me? Oh no, hang on, no. No, this is another thing that is going to come up later. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, right. <laughs> um, but that opening sequence in yeah. the in the pyramids, mm -hmm. great use of film sequences. Yeah, it's really good. Shot for something else. Yeah, yeah. But it blends quite nicely with the studio. Yeah. And besides the enemy of the world being set in Australia, I can't think of many other Doctor Who stories that venture so far overseas. Really, in the classic series. Yeah, I guess only the chase. The chase, Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Oh, the uh, abominable snowman. The Crusade, that's set in the Middle East, isn't it? The Crusade is set in, the, it's set in Jer Jer Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Jehovah yeah, <laughs> for a second. Where is Java supposed to be, Matt? I know we're talking about ghost light here, but where is... J Java. Um, I don't know. No? Uh, is that one of those irritating things that the name has changed? Yeah, like now it's, it's racist is... to call it Java. Um, let's have a look. I'm going to Google it. And it's now called Umipompo. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Java. It's an island in Indonesia. Ah. There we go. What is it about Java being referenced in that episode? Uh -oh. Fucking hell. Ghostlight. That's one to revisit. Mm. Um, <laughs> Sutex Jekyllhead. I just want to get this out there straight away. I know what you're going to say. Because it's the first thing when I think about this story and the way that it kind of burnt itself onto my psyche... That when when the the head appears in the TARDIS for the first time, yeah, and then when you see it, but you see it not often; it's no. sporadic through the story. But when you do see it, I think it's really scary, yeah, and it always frightened the shit out of me. As oh, a child. really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it looks good in the TARDIS when it appears, but then when you see it on Sutek's body at the end, ah, uh, yeah, that, I guess that, that's never worked for me. I but but. I mean, the fact that it doesn't move yeah. is a problem. Yeah. But I think seeing the head on the body, if they had somebody maybe operating the arms... I think that's it. It's because there's be no great. movement. But it it's just feels like a mannequin. Yeah, the fact it's obviously a static thing. Yeah. But also seeing, seeing the head on top of that body also is like, oh, so it's not kind of totally humanoid yeah. in that same way. Because obviously we've had Marcus Scarman yeah. uh, through the story that embodies Sutek. Mm. That's something that... Uh, all, I always forget uh, because uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit but part one's cliffhanger yeah surely one of the best Doctor Who cliffhangers of oh, all time oh for sure the pacing the direction the yeah. music the way you know a good cliffhanger has to perfectly segue into the title sequence and the sting of the theme tune yeah. and that story nails it in part one yeah but I am the servant of Sutek and then at the beginning of part two, it just turns into Marcus Scarman. Yeah. That sort of, it feels like a bit of a fake out to me. Do you think? It's like you want to have something alien-esque for the cliffhanger. But then... Because if you just had Marcus come out and do yeah. that in the cliffhanger, it wouldn't be quite as interesting. I guess not. I mean, I still think because you'd see him all like zombified because he looks scary. Generally. He does, he does. And I think as soon as you, you know, once you put his hands on um, Ibrahim Namim, and, yeah. you know, mm. I think that would have gone, holy shit. So I mean, the, the, the feet touching the carpet and the Brilli smoke. Brilliant. So good. Brilliant. So apart, good. apart from the fact that you can hear the smoke machine going. Oh, really? 
Ah, uh, see, I'm in the not. Background. Did you have? No, I had it on some shitty tinny speakers because <laughs> my parents have an, a shit telly. And they, I, I don't know if anybody else out there has this thing where they turn up to their parents' house and they immediately start tweaking with the colour oh, yeah, and the yeah, saturation yeah. on their parents' telly. Yeah. And then when you come back a fortnight later, your dad has decided, actually, it looks better really shit and washed out where everybody looks zombified. Yeah. Uh, which actually added to Pyramids of Mars and everything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I could hear, you can hear this oh. of the smoke machine sort of pumping out through his hands. Uh, but that effect goes on throughout, like when the, the canister appears and Marcus yeah, picks yeah, it up, yeah. it's supposed it's to be yeah. steaming and smoking yeah, yeah. and all that it's sort really of stuff. It's really cool. Um, and I mean, I think, just going back to what you were saying about the cliffhanger, the thing with this story is that it's incredibly well directed by Paddy Russell. She does an amazing job with it. Exceptional uh, job. And then you've just, it's just one of those stories where everything just falls into place. Her direction... Dudley Simpson's score mm. is so good mm. in this. You know, it, He's I only got about five or six musicians playing all those instruments yeah. as well. It's and amazing. you think, you know, clearly they looked at this and thought, oh, this is a, mm. there's something special here. Um, Tom is excellent in it and so is Liz. Um, yeah. And obviously I don't think script. she has an awful lot to do though. She doesn't have much to do, but I think she's got lots of nice little character moments. Mm. But th- th- I think that is indicative of Liz Sladen more than yeah. it is of, which which I suppose is within itself worth commending, yeah. rather than the story itself. Yeah. Because besides the fact that she shoots a gun at one point, yeah. she really doesn't do all that much. No. And she does do an awful lot of the screaming doctor this, doctor yeah. that, asking questions sort of thing. But I think Liz sells the asking question thing better than any other yeah. actor to play a companion. Yeah. So you kind of... You never hold that against her. No. Because um, she always seems, even if she's asking you questions, she always seems to try and, I don't know, put herself on sort of equal footing with yeah. the Doctor. And the Doctor lets her in. Yeah, you know, it, like, like in that moment when they're outside doing the stuff with the force field and, you know, he's like, well, you're just going to stand there and admire the scenery. And she's like, Actually, I thought your shoes need repairing. You know, it's just these little jibes, you know. And the stuff with the gelignite, you know. Sweaty gelignite. Yeah. Uh, have you ever gone fishing with gelignite? No, have you? That wouldn't be fucking anything left of them, surely. <laughs> no. What's the point? Hello, love. Here is uh, an assortment of fishy guts <laughs> and scales uh, for dinner. Um, that opening scene in the TARDIS. Mm. Iconic. Iconic. Because it's the first time we depart from the Tom costume yeah. that we have had since the start of his run. It's his first alternative costume. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Planet of Evil... Yeah, there's a, a bit, bit of something a, else. A bit of something. Bit uh, of something yeah. Just to let people in on, on uh, why there might be some fraught moments <laughs> in, this, in this podcast. Uh, not only is this the last recording session for the review of Death, although yeah. you've got episodes of us in this studio still to come. Um, it's going to turn into Wurzel Gummidge down under, isn't it, after this... Uh, yeah, it's it's going to turn into sh- it's shit. Basically. Um, uh, Matt's car broke down outside the office, yeah. of course, on the day that we recorded the last episode, and we are waiting to hear from Mr. RAC man yeah. or woman yeah. um, to see what they have to say. I don't care what they are, so long as they can get me As long as they can fix my car, it's fine. So if there are any, the phone's gone off, what's going on moments, it's that's, because of that. That's that. Um, that first scene in the TARDIS, yeah, first look at the Doctor's costume. Mm. I remember a birthday 
uh, it was the year that the action figure came out. Yeah. And my friends asked, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, the only thing I want is that Pyramids of Mars Tom. And they got it for me. Wow. And they went to Forbidden Planet and they told me what uh, an exhausting procedure it was to go <laughs> to Forbidden Planet up right. on... Uh, the top of the Clifton Triangle. Yeah. Uh, I went up there the other day. We haven't had a Forbidden Planet Bristol report for a no, long time. No, I haven't been there in ages. Shit. flash. Shitter than ever. Uh, so, uh, Shitter than ever. I actually had to do two laps around the store to find the Doctor Who section. Wow. Because you know this is just, you know, this is a very specific moment in time we're talking yeah. about here because hopefully within a year of this episode going out, the situation has changed drastically. Yeah. Uh, but... And they uh, only sell Doctor Who. <laughs> and they only sell Doctor Who. I mean, that it felt like that back in the day. It did. You would go through the door and it was just there. Well, now you go through the door and it's fucking not there. <laughs> uh, and on the left-hand side, they have T-shirts hanging up. Yeah. That wall... Uh, there's, there's, there's a whole section of the wall there. Uh, about a, half of it is devoted to Doctor Who. Right. With T-shirts and... There's no DVDs. No. No Big Finish. No. No books. No books anymore. But the books they have there are like um, the the women who lived uh, and uh, paper dolls. Signed by Crystal D, though. Oh, when we love Crystal. Getting back on the old TikTok bandwagon. Oh, yeah. We see you. (laughs) Um, That first scene. Oh, I know you're a Time Lord. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And it's it's indicative of this period of time where you think the characterization isn't necessarily coming out of the text. Yeah. But so much of it is in yeah. rehearsals and so yeah. much of it is Tom and Liz just sort of doing yeah. stuff together. Like the Jellic Knight bit later it, on. Exactly. That is worked out in rehearsals. Yeah. Uh, the bit where they walk into the corridor and the mummy turns around and they immediately they back off. The ter- yeah, that's, that's all worked out on yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's it, isn't it? Because you could so easily take the line, oh, I know you're a Time Lord, and go, well, I know you're a Time Lord, you know, and just be, you could do it in so many ways, but uh, the way that she does it, you know, it's just, it's lovely. You know, It, and it, it reminds it, me of the bit in Morbius where he goes off skulking. Yeah. And she, you know, pulls faces at him and yeah, runs all off that by herself. It's just, yeah. they are, I mean, they are the, the TARDIS team, they aren't are, they? In they terms really? of chemistry on camera. Yeah. They're Nobody just, else can equal it. Yeah. Nobody does it better. No, it yeah. does. It better. Um, Tom Baker is frightening, I've written. He is scary in this story. And that helps sell it, I think, mm. because you think, shit, he's scary. Everything is fucking scary. Can you say incalculable in Tom Baker's voice? Incalculable. Yes. Ah. Um, and yeah, as we've said before, what a cliffhanger for part one. Um, uh, we steam into part two. And I think it's at this point you sort of appreciate the cast beyond the TARDIS team. Oh, yeah. Because it's quite small. It was a very tiny ensemble. But it's so effective. Yeah, I You've mean... You've got all the sacrificial lambs and they all die at just the right points I in mean, the story. Yeah, you like it, don't you, when, there's a, when everyone gets killed. Yeah. You think, it raises the stakes. Yeah. Uh, Ahmed is, yeah, as we said before, the only character in this yeah. story not to die with a speaking part. Yeah. Um... I forget the name of the character. I'm going to scroll to the bottom of my list. Uh, Ernie Clements. Oh, the poacher. The poacher. Yeah. Do you know who they are the father of? No. If I say George Tovey. George 
George Tovey, that name rings a bell. Father of Roberta Tovey. Wow! From really? the Cushing movies. My God, um, Susie Who's dad. And interestingly, wasn't supposed to die originally. Really? Um, so when the doctor says, four people have died, Sarah. Yeah. Five if you count Marcus Professor Scar- Scarman Professor himself. Scarman himself. Uh, it's actually six people have died. Yeah. But the script hadn't been amended because Ernie Clements died or was written in to die after the script had been submitted. Right. That was a, uh, a Paddy Russell decision. Yeah. And the way that Ernie dies, I want to see more people getting crushed by big titted mummies. <laughs> just about to say that. Is that the way you want to go? Between, Cru- crushed between. by two big titted mummies. That'd be great. Two pairs of tits. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but it's horrible. Yeah. There's, there's the, and, and also uh, like uh, Warlock's death. Yeah. Everybody gets strangled. Yeah. In this episode. Uh, and it's like, there's a scream and a, oh no, this is horrible. And yeah. then like Ernie runs out of the, the hut. Yeah. And then there's another blood curdling scream. Yeah. And you think, oh, I want to know what they're doing. Yeah. You kind of wish, given that it's a period of horror in Doctor Who. Mm. You want to see a little bit more. A little bit more. But sometimes, you know, the imagination is better. It is, but even just having the mummies come out with slightly bloodied hand rags, you know, that would be be a nice little... (laughs) Hand rags. Hand rags. That would be a nice little addition, you know, just little things like that. Yeah. Uh, But it's still still bloody grim. And I think he's great, actually, that guy. You know, he does that that whole performance of going around the force fields and, you know, running into the... Bouncing brick- off Yeah, them. you know, holy Moses. You know, he does that so well. Mm. Uh, you know, for, for what is, like, really a nothing part. Yeah. It's, remember- it's memorable, you know, people remember him. And Warlock's kind of the same as well. Warlock's because the same. Because even though Warlock's got more dialogue yeah. and maybe more to do in the moment, yeah. uh, he is oft in pretty much the same way. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you've got all the stuff of them running around with him having been shot. Yeah. And they're running... Uh, am I right in saying Mick Jagger? That's his house, yeah. That's his house. Yeah. I mean, it's and, beautiful. And I it? need to say that the whole sequence where Warlock gets shot and Tom puts the scarf yes. around him. I mean, you can see that Ibrahim... Is waiting you, you, for you're it. You're waiting for it to happen, which is, is a shame. It's never not quite Matthew Warthouse going, no, with a typewriter in no. shock. Um, but never notice it on video. No. And then as soon as you get onto DVD, mm. you know, all the sins are revealed. Um, but me and Johnny used to do that all the time yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. It's a bit like fun, the, isn't it? the Sea Devils, uh, because having watched it, watched it on a big screen... Yeah. Uh, at the BFI and with the beautiful new Blu-ray, which would have come out by the point that everybody's watching Hopefully. here. Um, if we time this well, we could have done a season nine episode, but mm. that'll have to wait for a you know a couple of months' time. We'll yeah. do we'll do the mutants, we'll do something easy to digest or or, or Day of the Daleks or something like that. Um, but you can see the Sea Devil actors uh, uh, v- uh, vocal performance mm. moving the neck. Uh, oh really? Inside of the Sea Devils, because oh, wow. of course the head is on yeah, top yeah. of their head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now in HD, you can see that, and you can also see how much of the set that they left to go to black. Uh, oh yeah. On a seventies, you know, yeah. CRT television. Yeah. You can actually see the drapes now. Right. 
and it's a bit like ah, but you know at the same time you're like it's funny isn't it it's like it's that double-edged sword you know you want it to look amazing yeah i would have tweaked the colors personally i would have left it would you, yeah. i would have left it black um that you know those sort of things you sort of feel like they need to be mm. preserved because I, I don't need to see the production to that degree yeah um that and tweaking the eye lines for tom falling oh, yeah. off the radio telescope that's about as far as i think you should probably be going with yeah. those but Fair enough. That's just me. Um, Bernard Archard as well. We need yeah. to give a shout out to him as mm. Marcus Scarman. Mm. Uh, he's just very, he's very scary. Very. Isn't he? um, love the sequence when he gets shot in the back. That's a great and sequence. The, he absorbs and the, the bullet. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Really, really cool. Obviously, all shot in reverse. Mm. You know, he walks backwards. Um, yeah, excellent. You know, and, and he, it's a it's a great performance because when he has those moments where the humanity starts to come back and you think oh you know there is something of him mm. left in there he does it really well um and obviously kudos to um michael sheard as well as his brother lawrence i think he sells it yeah like as much as the desperation isn't it yeah it, well, when he gets shot yeah and and, and the outpouring of yeah. like Marcus. grief yeah it's, <laughs> but it sells it and you're like, oh, wow, this is really sad. And yeah. You, know, you have possession things in Doctor Who where family members see people being under the influence, mesmeric or zombified, yeah. as it may be. And you think... Chloe Webber. Oh, that's... Well, that's the <laughs> other end of the scale. But you see it and you think, okay, yeah, you know, you, you, you're showing some emotion there. But yeah. I think this really shows yeah. the... They're real. It's really sad. It's really sad. It's really sad. Yeah. I think when we were growing up, it was like me and Johnny always used to think, gosh, imagine if. I was you, thinking you that when I was watching a, it. Into a zombie. You know? Oh, fuck him. <laughs> um, but it's all that stuff with the, with the picture, isn't it? You know, the photograph is like, look at us when we were boys. And, yeah. You know. and, and there's a bit where, where um, I was calling him Mr. Bronson from Grange Hill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he starts crying over Warlock and Marcus. Yeah. And it's very subtle, but yeah. he is, he is yeah, shedding yeah. tears. Yeah. And um, you think, okay, for that period of time, a bloke like that probably wouldn't emote. No. And so he's sort of holding it back, yeah. but he's, he is also clearly being emotional. And the Doctor, I think, is, is really good there. I mean, I think Sarah Jane could maybe do a bit of sort of, you know, patting on the back or yeah, rubbing him on the knee yeah. and that sort of thing. But the Doctor is constantly reminding him, look, he is not your brother. Yeah. And it is eventually to Lawrence's detriment that he yeah, doesn't that's heed it. that warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Tom is great. Like, I mean, that 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 bit where mm. he, you know he comes in, the body falls to the ground, and Tom is just like, you know, he doesn't really give it a second thought. And Sarah, yeah, you know, it's like you're not even human. human yeah, you know, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. again, that raises the stakes because he says, you know, that all these people are dead, and. You know, I'm the only person who could stop it. I mean, if you imagine that in the new series now, that would have some big score underneath it, and it would be like, I'm the Doctor. I'm from Gallifrey, the constellation of Cisterbrus. I'm 750 years old, and I'm the only person who can stop Sutek. Fucking shut up, Murray. You're being too loud. I feel like an old person like banging the roof with a bloody mop. Sarah being shown a desolated 1980s. Yeah, it's cool. In, uh, in part yeah. two is also fantastic. Yeah. That raises a point, Matthew. Mm. Uh, I'm going to leave you to do this section here. Right, okay. I'm going to say something, and I want you to explain it to the audience at home. Right. Ready? Oh, shit, okay. Unit dating. Oh, Christ. 
Because this is the story where it all sort of... Oh, time war cocked it up. Time war cocked it up. <laughs> it's as good an explanation as that. That's the best thing ever created. What, what, get, out of, get out of jail free card. It is really. Time what, war. what is the unit dating thing for people who aren't totally on board with, oh, with that? No one really knows what when it's set. Because yeah. it, sometimes it feels like it's set in the 70s and then other times it's not. I mean, when it started with... The Invasion, mm. I think The Invasion is meant to be set in like 1970 or yeah. 71. Yeah. And then the idea was that from Spearhead from Space Onwards, that it was always a couple of years a, a ahead. A few years in the future where the technology could be slightly more advanced, but nothing you could, ridiculous. You could take a Citroen 2 CV and take the doors off. <laughs> yes. And it would look like a really, really high-tech automobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it does seem weird mm. whenever she, when she says, oh, I'm from 1980... <laughs> you should see what the fuck are you talking about, yeah. you woman. I've seen the two. Do- uh, I've seen the, the the time monster. Yeah. If people are wearing that in 1980, <laughs> you're getting your fucking head kicked in on the streets. Like <laughs> some punks are going to turn up and some skinheads, and they're going to fuck you up, Sarah Jane. <laughs> Don't be wearing trousers and a pullover and a blazer in 1980. Come no. on. Part three. Yeah. Uh, immediately, the first line of data that jumps out to me. Uh, it's like repairing a watch with a hammer and chisel. Great line. Another great line of dialogue yeah. there. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, because, again, it's yep. just One like... false move and you'll never know the time again. Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, um, it's nice when you watch an episode of Tom's Doctor Who and he's not, he's not pissed. <laughs> he seems sober here. Yeah. It feels like the location is far enough away that he's not had a chance to sink eight pints before he goes back into the studio and starts yeah. yelling at stagehands. Yeah, mm. and I think Paddy Russell, because I think she was quite quite firm. Which, uh, yeah, I rightly think, so. I think she would have had none of that nonsense. So he didn't um, want to dress up as the mummy. No, he didn't, did he? But she demanded it. And I, rightly so, because he has a very particular gait. When you watch him come, you know, in the studio, it's clearly somebody else. Yeah. And then on location, I mean... He is like fucking, I'm the, I know he's not, but in that mummy costume, yeah. he's like fucking six foot seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're like, okay, I mean, that's clearly Tom Baker. Yeah. Um, and so it was worth it, yeah. uh, you know, regardless of the fact that it, apparently having the, uh, the, the frame over him scratched him up rotten oh, really? and all that sort of stuff. So <clears> now <throat> he feels, he knows what it feels like to have been Michael Kilgarrett. Yeah. In, in Robot. I always remember <laughs> so him funny saying, now. <laughs> is it Tom? cut to ribbons. Yeah, and, yeah. Ah. I'd love to be a doctor. So they put some more padding in it. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, and know, then... Uh, I'd still come out covered in blood. <laughs> and then uh, I, I didn't work again until uh, Attack of the Cybermen, which is why I put a bit of weight on. Um, <laughs> I created my own padding. Just in case. <laughs> I thought, should I what? They won't be able to afford putting all that foam in. So I'll just... I'll, I'll smash a couple of dominoes before I come down to the studio. <laughs> and I have eaten many well-prepared meals. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> part three um, and again it's at this point as well where you see the sets and the costume and, and the costumes and the props and stuff do you think does, does this have more money put into it or are they using it better because I mean bloody I guess, hell it feels it, like it's got a lot of money in it until you get to episode four but yeah, it feels like it's got a lot of money it does uh, and I guess it's that whole thing about you know BBC does historicals really well mm. that's their that's their thing um, we can have that. Myself, sorry. Go on. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it does feel lavish, mm. doesn't it? Those first few episodes. So much of it being on film probably helps. And that, that is first true. part being on film yes, helps. Yes, very much so. So much of it is on film. Yeah. 
Um, the interesting thing about this story, though, is that, holy shit, the continuity is an absolute shit show. Really? Throughout the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, there are instances where um, Tom leaves the lodge, goes outside, and his hat has now suddenly appeared on his head. He goes back in, hat's gone. Um, there might have been a porch. There might have been a port. He might have. He might have whipped it off. Uh, his cravat changes between episodes. Um, it goes from the long orange one to a slightly shorter, almost brownie one. Mm. Um, I can only assume they lost the cravat during filming, which Who seems knows? insane. Uh, and Tom's hair changes drastically throughout the story. Wow. It's more like blow dried in some episodes. Really haven't um, noticed that. Now that is. I can I can put myself back in in, in the Toffolo household, mm. and I can see you and Jonathan pausing and rewinding <laughs> yeah. the UK Gold copy of this yeah. to go. And going, oh, is that is that that's got, wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, going on there? Beautiful. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of that stuff, um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't deter from it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Let's get to the nub of the matter mm. and talk about Sutek. Sutek's nub. Yeah. Sutek's nub is massive. Now, Sutek... <laughs> it's so massive, a man has to hold the seat... <laughs> down so that his nub doesn't topple him over when he stands yeah. up. Um, Sutek the Destroyer. Yeah. Set. Mm. Satan. Mm. Whatever you want to call Sados. it. Sados. Sados. <laughs> um, he's an abomination. Mm. The best Doctor Who villain to never return in yeah. the series. Yeah. Gabriel Wolfe. He is so was good. so good that, that Russell, Russell went, yeah. you're so good as just the voice of a baddie, we're going to get you back in the new series. As a voice of the baddie. And that is before that he went, Graham Harper would be good to get back. Yeah. You know, like, that's the impression this guy left on Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, I may have told this story before, but I went to the 50th anniversary oh, yeah. convention. Uh, when I pulled out my copy of um, <laughs> uh, Pyramids of Mars to watch... I forgot that he'd signed it. Oh. So I've got a signed copy of it dedicated to me from Gabriel Wolf. Nice. Brackets, Sutek underneath. Mm. Just in case you forgot. Just in case, yeah. And when we took the photo, he held up the little dolly of Sutek yeah. that they had made. What was the name of that company? Uh, Biff Bang Pow. Biff Bang Pow. Held up his Biff Bang Pow Sutek and said, uh, kneel before the might of Sutek. In my ear. Mm. And I think... Sort of yourself. <laughs> I may... That may have been me going, maybe I am gay. I don't know. <laughs> but that was there like... There was something stirring. Something stirring. And From it, both and ends. It, it, came out, it came out of Gabriel Wolf. Um, but holy shit. That first scene... I mean... The, we'll go on to it, but there's the whole of that first movement of part four. Yeah. But, the, but that first scene where... Nary a word is spoken from Sutek's gob. Yeah. He just sees the, the rocket explode. Yeah. And then turns to the doctor and fucking shreds his cells. Yeah. You don't need to say anything. No. Like in that moment, you get across, okay, more so <laughs> than most Doctor Who villains yeah. that are pretty stationary yeah. and are wearing a mask. Yeah. This guy means he's, fucking business. Yeah, he's pissed. He is pissed the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And and obviously Tom sells it. Tom, I think Tom's, Tom, Tom's acting Do, is Tom's so good. Tom's pain acting, you know, that's where I, you know, if you watch Plastic Chetri, mm. I, I learnt my pain acting from Tom Baker. Oh! Yeah, that, yeah, that grimacing. I don't think many doctors do it quite as good no, as Tom. No, Tom, and, and that's the only time you feel Tom is like totally vulnerable. Yeah. Because he's on top of most situations. Yeah. But, 
he never gets that fucked up by yeah. a villain again. Yeah. Which gives Sutek that power. Yeah. And notice in that scene, no jokes. No. He doesn't make any little wise cracks or anything with Sutek. No. Because I guess he knows if I say the wrong thing here. I, I will get pulled yeah. apart. My yeah. atoms will be displaced across the universe. Yeah. And then that whole movement right at the start of part four, which is, is like at least a five minute scene yeah. with no cutting back yeah. to the Priory and no cutting back to whatever's going on back yeah. on Earth, is, I, I, I was trying to find the words to describe it and the only word I could find, the first thing that came to mind was electrifying. Mm. There is some kind of chemistry going on yeah. between this actor Totally encased in this yeah, costume. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And and the the voice is made more sinister by the fact that he's in the mask. Yeah. The, the the eyes glowing. The only thing that really ruins it is when he turns to his little screen and he's got a shit <laughs> LED hieroglyphs appearing on the screen. Yeah. That's the only thing that really kills it for me. Yeah. Um, but when you have a villain that is incapable of movement. Yeah but still radiates so much power. Mm. I can't think of another Doctor Who villain that's on the same level as of Sutek. No, not really. I guess the only other one would be Davros, but even then Davros is a lot of shouting, a lot of ranting. It's, but, but it's, it, Dav- the, the Daleks are the extension of Davros. Yeah. The Daleks are everything Davros cannot physically do. Yeah. But Sutek is able to do everything yeah. from the comfort of that one fucking little chair that he's that <laughs> yeah. little IKEA situation he's got he's sat on <laughs> that small um, cushion there. Yeah. Um, why has Sutek never come back? I mean, I was thinking this because I watched it and I thought, oh, it's a shame he never came back. But then I thought afterwards, I was like, is it really a shame? Because I worry that had you ever brought him back, and I mean, I know he's come back on Big Finish, that is and. But it doesn't count, you know. I would love. Is Gabriel Wolf playing him on the Gabriel Wolf is playing him. And I, I I would like to hear them, but part of me doesn't want no, to hear same. them. Same. Because I think it's never going to be as good. I don't think you can. That was lightning in a bottle, and I don't mm. think you're ever going to get it twice. Mm. Because it was just all the ingredients were there. And I, I think you I just really... need a slightly. Uh, to be. No offense to Tom Baker, but I don't think Tom Baker is the same Doctor Who. Now, as he was back then in 1975. I think that's the generally accepted... Yeah. yeah. You know, his, his Doctor now is far more Graham Williams-ish. You know, it's more, I've got free reign. I can sort of do what I want. Which Doctor is better on Big Finish? Paul? Paul. Colin. Colin. But even now, you know, it starts to feel a bit more paint by numbers. Yeah. Not phoned in. I wouldn't say that. No, not Colin, at all. Because, you know, you're still an actor at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but that's it, really. Yeah. I Jacob guess... Dudman. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's... Maybe that's partly why... But I do... think, provided you get the right actor... Yeah. And Gabriel Wolf is still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Provided you get the right actor to do it, the person playing Sutek in the suit in the room mm. doesn't actually need to do anything. No. Provided you update that costume enough. Yeah. Which really wouldn't take all that much because no. that helmet the is helmet's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. You just need to kind of maybe smooth it out and make it, you know, by the standards of HD telly. Exactly. Make yeah. it a bit more, yeah. you know, perfect. And it's shot really well. I mean, that shot of the eyes. Lighting up. Yes, yeah, just great. Oh. Just... I mean, the only thing that ruins it is the stagehand giving him a poke up the hole 
to stand up. Yeah. That's the only thing that lets that whole thing down, really. Yeah. Um, you should have got someone to just put their hand under my ass, and I could have stood up and gone. It, that is your. That that would be your job, though. <laughs> like if you if, if 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 some divine entity came down and said, Matt, I can send you back to any point in history, <laughs> and you could you could have any job on Doctor Who. You would say, can I be the person that cues Sutek that gets their hand <laughs> in shot? It would be the best and I could say, role to have. I, I was, I was Sutek's shareholder. You could have, okay, okay. So besides Sutek's, you know, hole poker, you can have, you can have any minor role in Doctor Who. Yeah. It could be like a particularly spectacular death. Yeah. From like a unit soldier. You know, what would you, what would you do? I mean, part of me wants to say pig bin Josh, but I don't want to cycle into a freezing cold lake. But you would, for Doctor Who. Oh, fucking hell. That, that you would. Look. No, you would. <laughs> you I, know would. You, I, know, I know that you would. <laughs> you would do it. Because, you, you know, you are URA. URA, yeah. Right? Just get a couple of cans of Thatcher's ah. <laughs> And then you just go like, <laughs> and cycle into a cold lake. Yeah. But they would say, you know, with Russell standing behind the camera... You know, like that. Probably chain smoking. Yeah. Hung over from the night before. And you go, I've got, I can only get this right once. Yeah. But you do it. Yeah. I, don't, right, I so would do it. Yeah. What would yours be then? I would be uh, the Cyberman in Silver Nemesis that goes, <laughs> that gets all the arrows in his chest. I'd be some Cyberman that gets blown the fuck up. Cool. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Like... I would, because I know that I fit the conventions of height-wise. Yeah, of yeah, being you, a yeah, you can be a Cyberman. I would love to be a Cyberman, but I don't want to be one of these stompy, stompy, stamp, stamp bastards. I yeah. want to, I want to throw a bit of weight around. I want to be the Cyber Leader. I want to be David Banks. You want to be David. I've Banks. only ever wanted to be David Banks in yeah. my life. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, so, part four of Pyramids of Mars is marred. Yeah. By us going to the titular planet. Yeah. Is there life on Mars? <laughs> uh, talking of David Bowie, we haven't got to it yet, but UK number ones. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Only Have Eyes For You by Art Garfunkel. Right. But most importantly, Space Oddity by ah. David Bowie. Banger. Can we get a bit of that? Uh, this is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade And the papers want to know whose shirts you wear um, Going to Mars Yeah Which is the downfall of part four This is where it goes a bit mm. And I think is the wibbly wobbly bit of this whole escapade yeah. uh, Was actually suggested by Philip Hinchcliffe That they go there? Yeah Oh Philip Because you know Something we should mention here is that this story originally was, was submitted by Lewis Grafer, Griefer, right? Okay, uh, but was considered unworkable. Yeah, and so Robert Holmes basically comes in and does a shit ton of rewrite, rewrites. Yeah, which Lewis wasn't available for. Right, and so because of the extensive rewrites done, is under a pseudonym. It gets it? Tribu- attributed to Stephen Harris, which is, which is a pseudonym. Yeah, um, but whenever you see a, a name like that in you know classic Doctor Who, uh, just assume that. Nine different people have probably been <laughs> yeah. behind the writing of it, especially when you get to the Douglas Adams era. Yeah, you just assume Douglas has written everything yeah. that you see on screen. Um, but yeah, th- this this is where I think the story loses its momentum totally. Yeah, and it feels like a bit of a momentum, you know, putting on the brakes for this review. Yeah, 
but that's the only way you can impart yeah, because what happens here. it suddenly becomes all of that lavish set design. Like even in Sutex Tomb, although it's only flats, it's got that metallic paint and the light mm. reflects off of it and it's mm. painted in such a particular way, it looks really good. You suddenly get to Mars, it's all brightly lit, it's clearly all flats. All CSO. CSO, which is fine. And I guess maybe at the time it probably was like, oh, this is quite weird and cool. Um, you know, it's not some of the worst CSO in Doctor Who, but, but I, it's, it's, it just feels yeah. unnecessary. When it creeps onto the floor, that's when it gets when dodgy. You see, and the Eye of Horus. Oh yeah, that's total. That is a disappointment. Yeah. It is CSO and like a vase in the middle of the But room. you see the Eye of Horus at the start of this episode. Yeah. And it's moodily lit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, you know, and uh, I understand Paddy Russell had quite a back and forth with the lighting director for the story. Oh really, yeah. Basically like, let's keep this as dark as we can. Yeah. So for like the, the confrontation between the Fourth Doctor and Sutek. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it's beautifully lit because yeah. so much of it is just allowed to go into darkness yeah but there was a concern that the transmitters would basically freak out and go well it's it's black right. so they would just show up the test card girl right uh which obviously didn't happen no but then when you get to mars and you see the way it looks yeah it is just so studio yeah it is so blown out yeah it's so green screened yeah it's a shame and, you know, it doesn't feel like there's any real attempt to make the Mars stuff even look slightly Egyptian. No. Even if it had like no. hieroglyphs no. or the tapestries that we see in the Pyramid in Giza yeah. at the beginning. That would have hit a multitude of sins. That is an odd thing to it's, not actually it's include. It's really weird, it? yeah. And like you said, then the whole pacing of, I mean, like, Tom, when he's mesmerised, mm. is brilliant because mm. he's scary. You know, he's got those eyes and he's all, it's, it's horrible. Mm. Um but then it seems quite carefree, that walk from, all right, let's do these crystal maze tasks to get to- Which the, is shit. They are bollocks. Yeah. And the one that annoys me more than any is the one with the scarf, because he's there like, yeah. oh yeah, seven stitches, blah, blah, blah. It spot the difference. Yeah. That one is not <laughs> that one, you dick. I love uh, the mummy one uh, where he asks- That's good. Which is which, because it reminds me of uh, Labyrinth? I, I know, no, I, no. I know he's, you know, big fucking turf FM. Right. But the Ricky Gervais show with Carl Pilkington. Right. Where he's asked, you know, you have to go through one door or the other. Yeah. One person lies, one person always tells the truth. Mm -hmm. And Carl goes, but, you know, they might, the person who tells the truth might be lying though. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just reminds me of that sort of thing. Yeah. But that, like, that is a lovely moment. Yeah. And so I watched a lot of this with, Stell. Yeah. And she was sort of just barely paying attention to what was going on. Right. But in that moment where he he works out, you know, you would say that one and you'd also say that one. Yeah. So the death switch must be this one. Yeah. And she went, well, he's a clever cookie, isn't he? <laughs> and it was like, well, yeah. Yeah. He's a doctor. Yeah. And it's nice to have him do things yeah. that, that the audience at home yeah. can go okay, how would I work this out? Yeah. But going up to, uh, 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 you know, this wall of random fucking lines yeah. and going, uh, this one, yes, it must be this one. There's no way, it's like Stephen Moffat writing Sherlock. Yeah. There's no way that the audience at home had any idea yeah. what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it, isn't it? You know, they add in all the stuff about all oh, this with the scarf and seven stitches and all this kind of stuff because they want to make it sound complicated. 
when at the end of the day is it just, really isn't it's not yeah no. you know they, they as Sutek says they are childish stratagems um, um the eye of horus yeah as we mentioned before was supposed to disappear right at the end of this story and then reappear in subsequent stories oh uh, which I imagine is maybe them planting the seeds for what would become the key to time. Right, okay. And it was going to sort of become a, a thing that they would chase as they sort of go on. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it is It is a come down yeah. from the rest of the story. It's like, it's the only part of it that makes you go, oh, this is a, a 70s episode of Doctor it's Who. It's Doctor Who, yeah. 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 It's, it's a shame. It's a shame it builds to that mm. um, after it's been so good throughout. Um, I don't know what else you do unless you go, well, let's have Sutek go Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. Yeah. And he's like hovering over London and liquefying buildings. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else you have him do. Yeah. Because he is so he's, powerful. This is the trouble. Yeah. He's too powerful for his own good. And the war rocket thing didn't work. Yeah. So his only recourse is to go to Mars. Yeah. This is the only time that Mars is ever seen in the classic series, incidentally. Yeah. Which is... Sounds nuts. And I believe we see the Pyramid of Mars in Sarah Jane Adventures. We do. Yeah. Uh, singular pyramid. Yeah. So a, the a, title a, is a, wrong. Yeah. And as Sutek says, it's the pyramid. I can't. He says it very quickly. Pyramid like, of Mars. Yeah. Pyramid of Mars. Yeah. At one point. It's definitely the singular. Pyramid of Mars. Pyramid of Mars. Um, yeah. Um, and then it. It all just sort of wraps up very quickly. You've yeah. got that nice sequence with the doors opening and the TARDIS at yeah. the end. Lovely model they, work. Lovely model work. And they run for the police box and they get in it. TARDIS lights are on. That's one notable thing about this story. Yeah. Police box lights are on. Very rare in classic Doctor Who. And they warp out of there. They warp back. That's sort of... That's sort of it. That's sort of the end of the story. Yeah. And so... And I also don't like Sutex. No! No! And, and, and the yeah. very static disappearing yeah. into the time corridor. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I always thought it looked like Smarties. We always thought it looked like Smarties. Fancy some Smarties now. Um, that's why we have a podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, but I don't think that is enough. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this last week. I don't know if that's enough to consider this story overrated. No. Part four is... Because I think Not very good. everything else is so good and yeah. everyone is on top form mm. that it's just one of those stories where as soon as it starts, you think, ooh, this is, there's something going on here. Like, uh, like Legoshock uh, and Earthshock, you know. Genesis. It's just got that tone and you just think, ooh, mm. this, this feels heavy, man. What other stories? Well, Earthshock, Legopolis. Mm. The War Games, but that... You know that's the second yeah. last story. Uh, caves. Caves. Mm. I think Resurrection of the Daleks is a bit of that. But yeah, that but is just, just fucking yes. miserable. <laughs> yeah. um, um, when you said heavy man, I was immediately going to throw in a Back to the Future. What's wrong with the uh, gravitational pull? Why is everything so heavy? Um, yeah. Uh, a, a couple of bits of backstage scar. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Benjamin was considered for the role of Marcus Scarman. Oh, really? Obviously kept his uh, his headshot on file. ETF. Um, the, uh, first major costume department for, uh, departure for Tom, as we mentioned, unit dating. And it's his best costume, I would argue. Do, I love that outfit. What do you think, uh, that compared to his Seeds costume? Oh, definitely this. Yeah? I love that purple velvet, beautiful. Um, 
Uh, everything else. Sa okay, right. Here's, here's one for you. Right. Sarah is the only female character in this story. Yeah. Can you name me the other episodes where she is the only female character? Uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. Yes. Um, Sontaran Experiment. Yes. Uh, ooh, no. But you know what? I have a feeling he'll get there. How many have I got left? One. One more. Um, ooh. Mask of Mandragora? No. I mean, there are women in the court, but they don't talk. Um, as it should Just be. as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh, my brain. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty good you've been able to get two. I can't think. Don't worry, your uh, your AirPods haven't stopped working, everybody. Matt's just trying to work this one out. Uh, Planet of Evil. Oh, fucking hell yeah. Oh, cock. Uh, and films made this year, just before we get to our roundup. Uh, uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Good. Which right. Tom probably should have been in. Yeah. Um, clinically. Uh, Jaws. Right, brilliant. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Fantastic. And Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I mean, wow. But most importantly, Carry On Behind, which came out a month before Pyramids finished, which is, I think, one of the most torturous things I've ever been forced to do. I mean, I've never even heard of Carry On Behind. So. As a result of a job that I've done. Yeah. So fucking there we go. go on my five now and binge watch The Secrets and Scandals <laughs> and Carry On, because it would have been worth it for having watched bloody Carry On Behind. Um, anything else? A uh, couple of things. Um, I like the Tom is sort of treated a bit like an intergalactic Sherlock Holmes. Where he goes mm. about, oh, it'll, it'll only hinder my investigations yes. and time is my business. You know. ah. Great oh. stuff. Uh, and Mary Antoinette, when he uses the... Yeah, the, nice little reference. Yeah, at the start. Uh, this is a, a story often told in our house. Um, when my brother was a wee boy and yeah. watched this story, mm. he thought that Tom said Mar Marianne Twenty. Oh, yeah. And so he was insistent when he would go around <laughs> the house acting this out that it was Marianne Twenty. And my mum and dad were like, I think you mean Marianne Antoinette, love. No, no, no. Tom Baker said Marianne Twenty. And no, of course he doesn't. But he doesn't say it. No. He's so, just fucking so dead. Your brother just got it. But for somebody who is so diligent in handkerchiefs yeah the fact that he got that line of dialogue wrong yeah. at Johnny, the age of like four <laughs> i'm looking forward to having you in here i mean we are really i know we've got our schedule pretty well worked out yeah but i really think we need because i enjoyed it so much when i was away in new zealand yeah. and you two did delta and the bannerman together yeah. i think we need johnny and you to do a, back in here doing a do a, a duo episode yeah. before we get into new zealand new look rod cool um, we can do that. What should we do? What should you guys do? I'll ask it's got to be a Silv episode. Uh, uh, you think? I think so. 
because it, he actually wanted to come on and talk about Pyramids of Mars because he did he? It. Yeah. I saw people saying that Johnny should have come on to talk about yeah, Pyramids of Mars. Yeah, that was it. When he saw that, he's like, "Well, I've got to come on." Well, right, right, right. We thought, well, it's the last one with us, so. Well, 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 it's not the last one with us technically, not for you guys watching, but oh, God, as of us recording. As of us recording, it's the last one of us yeah. in the studio. Well, you you guys, let us know which. Yeah. Tell us which seventh Doctor story that isn't like one of the big ones. You know, like he can do he can do Dragonfire. Yeah. He could do. He likes Dragonfire. He can't do Remembrance. No. Can't do Ghostlight, because you guys have done We've Ghostlight, which Ghost you guys Light can watch on the Review of Death Patreon. A live episode reviewing Ghostlight from the University of Oxford. Um, Silver Nemesis has been done. I think we should just do the opening of the TV movie, just so Johnny can have a head fit about just the, first, the costume just for the, an hour. Just do the commentary for the first 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. of that story. That costume's wrong! <laughs> and he would just have a fit on the, on the sofa. Yeah. Uh, look, Pyramids of Mars. Bloody good. Exemplary. Yeah. Exceptional. Yeah. Sensational. Mm. I find it shocking when I hear people say they don't think it's that special. But maybe it's just, you know, it depends on when you were born and what you were watching. I don't think so. Do you not? I think this is one of those episodes that sort of transcends that, taste. Yeah. For, for, for somebody who, who maybe is more used to fighting Slovene and yeah. kitchen sink RTD and... Yeah. Gobbledygook, Stephen, yeah. Moffat. I think this is one of those episodes that, no matter when you became a Doctor Who fan, it just works. Yeah. And the, I don't think that's me being a classic series purist. No. I, but watching it, I was saying to Stel, we put it on, and and, and you know, I, I I watched the first two episodes the same day that I watched and made my notes for uh, the Doctor's Wife, yeah. which is coming up, and. Dad could not have given less of a shit <laughs> when the doctor's wife was on. Yeah. He was looking at his phone and he was doing stuff and it was just, it seemed more like it was an annoyance in the room. Like yeah. when you, if you have a dog or an animal in the room that's just sort of like trying to get your attention yeah. and you're trying to ignore them. Mm. It was just a lot of shouting yeah. and a lot of, whenever anything, you know, relating to sexiness came out, mm. I just thought, Dad, you know, you and I know there's better Doctor Who than this. Yeah. And then I got the DVD for Pyramids of Mars and I came downstairs and I said, right, I'm going to watch two episodes, I'm going to make my notes and then we're yeah. going to go out and do what we need to do. And as soon as the title sequence appeared, yeah. as soon as that slit scan opened, yeah. Dad put his phone down and went, oh, proper Doctor Who. See, there we go. I mean... Tom Baker was enough to turn off Pornhub. He's pushed it... <laughs> <laughs> he's Sorry, pushing... <laughs> he's, watching this. He's, he's pushing on. Yeah. So you know he's not he's not a spring chicken, but he has watched most Doctor Who, yeah, classic and new, yeah, and he's still and you know he obviously grew up with Tom and John, yeah. but he's you know the fact that you just you pay attention when that when that when that theme music hits, yeah, when that Dudley Simpson score yeah. sparks up, and when Tom appears on screen, you can't not pay attention to it, yeah, and this story I think exemplifies that going to put it better myself and so i think that you're absolutely right in in having this as your favorite story of yeah. all time you know i love curse of peladon yeah but i i know it doesn't really hold a candle no to pyramids no you know while pyramids is a, is a 10 curse is sort of like a an eight yeah it is yeah i mean because i love curse of peladon i think it's a great story but i um, think you but you know but it's very different as much as you different... love that story yeah you know it's not quite on the same level no no, but it's funny you should say that, like about your dad, because my dad was always the same. You know, 
as soon as we would watch an old Doctor Who, you'd come into the room and go, ah, oh, that's proper Doctor Who, that is. There you go. See? So. And my mum was gasping, you know, Sutek appears. <gasps> Sutek! <laughs> oh no, Sarah Jane! You know, my mum's always... She's like, she watches it like she's still seven years old. And she just fucking bursts out and you just go, you and I have at least watched this at least half, half a dozen times together. We know beat by beat what's going to happen here. Um, but yeah. I love, my mum is the same. Well, she's not quite like that, but she insists she's never seen it before. And we're like, you have obviously seen this before. Yeah. It, 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 that's why you uh, sighed so heavily when you sat down. Yeah, especially like when we see new series stuff with the kids and she's like, oh, I've never seen this one before. We're like, mum, you, you literally would have sat here and watched it when it went out. They like to pretend. No, I think she's just... I think they like to make us feel special. No, I think no. your mum does. My mum has just lost her <laughs> marbles. <I think>. Uh, <laughs> um, holy shit. Well, that was a monolithic yeah, rod. That was a big one. That, that was, was a big a, rod. That was a big rod. Um, and up Sutek. <laughs> uh, right up Sutek. Right up yours. And it feels like, you know, seminal in that way. Mm. Because I know you've got more rods to come. Uh, but for us recording this... This is our last one. This what a one to finish on is the Bristol. last rod to be recorded in person for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit mad. Yeah. Um, with, you know, this time next week, uh, there will be another episode of Review of Death as yeah. this goes out. It will be the uh, most overrated episodes, which you guys would have already watched. Yeah. Um, but two days prior to that, I'd have got on a flight. Yeah. And I will already be mm. 20,000 miles away, which is a bit nuts. So... And if you sat there, you would be thinking, fucking what a waste of time. Waste of time. I guess one of we sat in this small, <laughs> slightly overly bright, Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes slightly too cold, sometimes slightly too warm room. <laughs> yeah. uh, Occasionally with a, an aroma of BO. <laughs> well, 90% of the time with an aroma of BO, 20% of the time it just stinks of shit. Uh, <laughs> And I'll miss it greatly. Yeah. But, you know, we'll make things work. Yeah. And the new look review of death will be fantastic. I've already been talking to people about, you know, a new a new animated introduction. Oh! Some people who may have been engaged on official Doctor Who business in the past. Oh! Maybe want to lend their services to a Yeldy Rod. Mm. Um, but, you know, whatever happens, it's still going to be two slightly mardy Bristolians Arr. having a go. Mm. At their favourite TV show. Yeah. It's always in jest. Yeah. It's always with a bit of a wink and a nudge. Uh, unless it comes to, you know, Stephen Moffat eras of the program. <laughs> in which case it is heartily meant to be aggressive and, <laughs> and angry. Um, but that is just what it is. And, yeah. and we've just spoken about one of the greatest episodes of Doctor Who of all time. Yeah. If you've never seen Pyramids of Mars, I'd be shocked. Yeah. But I'd love to know what people who've never come to it before think of it. Ooh. Go watch it. Tell us what you think. Yeah. Um, do it for me. Do it for Matt. Yeah. On my birthday. On his present oh, for me. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have anything to. Well, how about. Uh, you don't like that one. How about. Uh, oh, you don't like that one. How about. I mean, uh, they're all no, mine anyway. Like <laughs> how about. That's your favourite, innit? Ah. We know that's your favourite. And this is mine. So how about we. Oh, the, like, the bloody thing's gone. I was the gonna do, the I... fucking battery's gone. <laughs> oh, yours is working. Ah. Uh, one false move and you'll never know the time again. Yes. Or you'll just fucking drink up your cider. Oh. Um, uh, thank you very much for watching, ladies and gents. Yeah. Matt, 
you are best positioned to do the outro. See you next time for a video that we've already recorded, but I've forgotten what the order of the schedule is, so you'll enjoy it when it comes out. It will be Thor for Time. Uh, Tell everybody how beautiful they are. You're, you're gorgeous. It um, will be uh, a tier list. Yeah. Of, oh! Of. The, that went on for fucking ages. <laughs> it's a really long video, but it's really good. We laughed. A it's lot. us talking about uh, ranking our favourite new Who series of Doctor Whom. Do it all. So From series one? one to series 13. Yes. From one to flux. One to flux. So. Flux you and good night. Get yourselves to flux.